There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. 46% of Americans expect to leave behind financial obligations when they pass away. So it's crucial to make sure your family is financially protected. Policy Genius helps you find the right life insurance coverage by comparing options from America's top insurers with help from licensed, award winning agents. Secure your financial future with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get free life insurance quotes in just a few clicks. That's policygenius.com. Greetings from the California Delta, where you would still suck at fishing, and the guy just tossed in a selfie of him giving Troy the finger. And he says, with a chuckle, Harley doesn't own boots. And I was like, oh no, you're going to freeze your ass off today. My name is Hayden Samak, and I admit it, I have a problem. Rest assured, I've never met a captain who like just thinks it's funny as shit when you and your boys come out and get hammered. Good morning, Degenerate Anglers, and welcome to Bent, the fishing podcast that still hasn't figured out that Doc Martens don't really qualify as good winter boots. <laughs> I'm Joe Cermelli. And I'm Hayden Samak. And please tell me, like, I would love to see you just, like, clunking around in, a butt, in like, a, one of those big clown shoe Doc Martens, like, the ones with the giant vibra- like sole and, like, the uh, like the red kind of tint on them, like a, like a straight-edge kid. Oh, okay. Isn't that who they're for? They're for straight edge kids, right? (laughs) No, they're not. They're for anybody who wants to wear them. Um, You can't see that anymore, at least. Um, But that used to be me. I'll tell you, now I just wear Velcro Skechers. Um, (laughs) But I I did wear Docs for a very long time, uh, all through high school pretty much, because while, you know, like my Navy polo shirt and khakis said he's a good Catholic school boy, my boots said my mom got me these Doc Martens for Christmas because they're mad expensive. So... um, yeah, so that was a long were, time so, ago. So, so like it, 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 it was a little bit of a nod to a to a rebellious streak. That I mean, like you kind of it was like kind of down low rebellion, a very subdued rebellion. Well, shoes were the only thing you were allowed to select for yourself in mm-hmm. Catholic school. So you know you yeah. do what you got to do. Uh, but it it also it, it always made me wonder, right? Like Doc Martens. Were, were they super cheap at some point? Because like while mine were were always like shiny and new. The guys in Rancids were beat to death and thereby cool. But at some point, like, they just went to Hot Topic to buy a pair too, right? Like, they were new and shiny at some point. Yeah, well, well, they were cheaper when uh, before uh, Doc uh, 
you know, completed his PhD and he was still Mr. Martin. <laughs> <laughs> right. But have, have you ever kind of noticed it's like, like almost the opposite in fishing? Like nowadays I feel well-worn is not in. Mm. Like everyone wants to have all this like new shit on all the time. Like yeah. they, they want to look like they just kind of stepped out of the catalog and onto the water. It's like a flex, you know? Yeah, no, I and I, I, I agree for the most part. Like I can give you a prime example. Like I have um I have a pair of Sims waiters that look like they've been fed through a garbage disposal and like they smell even worse. But they do not leak. They're they're comfy as shit. Uh, and therefore, they are my preferred pair, despite the fact that I have five other pairs. And they're they're so gross that I've actually had buddies at Sims be like, "Can you please stop wearing that pair of waders in public?" <laughs> Which I don't get because it's like it's a testament to the quality of the product. Um, but guess what, Sims, you don't make that model anymore, right? Like they don't make the that particular pair of waders anymore. I could go down the street and take it up with them. Well, I could, I could, yeah, we could both take it up with him. Dude, no, they've, they've been like, well, they've given me new waiters. I'm like, thanks, but I still like this old beat pair. But anyway, every single time I post a photo in those waiters, someone is like, dear God, get him some new waiters. And I'm like, why? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's like, they, they're so comfy. They're so good. Uh, well, I mean, like, the, there are some accessories when it comes to fishing that, like, you just don't really need to upgrade unless there is something catastrophically wrong with them. And, I mean, this bars, like, major jumps in, like, technological evolution. Yeah. Like, for instance, everybody was wearing, like, you know, the neoprene waders and then, you know, the, the breathable, you know, Gore-Tex. Yeah. And so now everybody wears those. And that's, like, an obvious transition you might make. I can relate to this in my wading boots, man. I was rocking, like, this pair of ll bean wading boots i think it was uh, ll bean yeah that i had since high school i mean the things were literally coming apart uh-huh. you know they, they were like the the vinyl was flaking off and it was revealing that kind of like a subfloor like carpeting kind of uh. texture that's under them <laughs> yes and i wore those things for i shit you not 15 years and just recently I upgraded to a pair of Sims uh wading boots yeah. only because I was like man these things are so much so much lighter. Right. Yeah, I mean like necessity is one thing. Uh, things do get worn out to the point of no return. But I mean I've also just seen it get get kind of ridiculous um you know again like with jackets and waders and such like another example. I have an Aquaskins dry top that I used to wear when I surf fished a lot more. Yeah. And uh in the early 2000s Aquaskins was like the king dog of sex, uh, sexual. <laughs> like king- <laughs> Leave it in. <laughs> I'm going to start that over. Another example, I have an Aquaskins dry top that I used to wear when I surf fished a lot more. And in the early 2000s, Aquaskins was like the king dog of technical surf fishing apparel. Uh-huh. Um, and they no longer are. In fact, I'm not even sure that they're, that, that company's around anymore. Um, but it was, this is like a really well-made expensive top and it's still fully functional. But in the year 2022, if I showed up in Montauk wearing it, I, I'd, I'd feel like I'd, I'd be labeled an instant Guggen just because I was still wearing that old dry top. You know what I mean? Like I hate that shit cause it's not the latest and greatest, whatever. Um, but if something's good and well-made, I, I will use it to death. That goes for uh, rods and reels too. And I'd be willing to bet Tons of you listening right now own a rod that you love that the company doesn't make anymore. Um, there have been some for me over the years. I've begged people at these rod companies to bring back certain series over the years, you know? Yeah. You know what? You see it happen with uh, bows a lot. 
Sure. Right. Um, I always wait like two years or so after like a, a drastically new innovation has been made mm-hmm. to buy like that new model because by then, you know, you, there's always going to be like some sort of like kink in it. You know, there's right. going to be something that's like not exactly right. So you want to give them that like year or two until they mess it up. But if you have a, a favorite old school rod that's been tried and true, <laughs> maybe like like an Orvis Superfine or something like that, Yeah. Um, you know, definitely get one of those in the fly fishing realm. If they no longer make your favorite like spin casting rod, I have a uh, an alternative suggestion for you, something that I think might even be preferable. Yes. Yes, we'd point you uh, towards our beloved sponsors, 13 Fishing, and tell you to check out their Omen line of rods, oh, yeah. which has been with them since their beginning. So so nine years the Omen has been around. It was their flagship model. And I got to say, I'm, I'm genuinely a big fan. I have a pile of them, and it, it's tough to find like such a, such a selection of models within a series um, and such a well-made stick, no lie, for the, you know, for in, in that $120 to $140 range. So... Something to think about as we inch or crawl towards open water angling. Uh, spring is somewhere out there on the horizon, I, I'd like to think, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, it is somewhere on the horizon, but I don't think it's as close as you might think, Joe, which is why we're staying firmly planted on the ice for this week's uh, Smooth Move. I know we are. Spring is, uh, yeah, it's still a ways out there. Yes, we're staying on the ice, and we're joined this week by an old buddy of mine from New Hampshire, that being Tim Moore. Now, Smooth Moves is our segment dedicated to letting guides and captains bitch about dumb things clients have done. And let's just say, while Tim doesn't care if you show up in a ripped Burton parka over an anthrax t-shirt to hit the ice, he probably would not be down with you showing up in Doc Martens. Why did you do that? Why? Why did you do that, Terry? Oh, my God. So joining us for Smooth Moves today, old buddy of mine I haven't seen in a while. I'm seeing him digitally now. Uh, It's been a few years. Tim Moore of Tim Moore Outdoors up in New Hampshire. What's going on, dude? How you been? I'm good, man. It's good to see your face. Uh, I think the last time we saw each other was at iCast. Yeah, at like I, yeah you're right. And the last time I saw you on the ice, we didn't see anybody's faces because it was so insanely bitterly cold. <laughs> like today. That, like we literally had our heads wrapped in animal pelts. Yeah. It was brutal. That was that was yeah. a, a white perch video shoot. And uh, I remember that being extremely cold. Extremely cold. Yeah, that was a stressful one for me. <laughs> <laughs> Why was that? Well, we, I'm, I'm not privy to this conversation. Oh, boy. Yeah, well, it was one of those, like, Tim was on it, and then we got there, and, like, shit got all screwed up with the weather, oh. which, which tends to happen to me. Yep. Um, I also have recollections of, like, sort of sneaking through backyards to access <laughs> ice places, because yeah. the, the the places we wanted to get on were no bueno. Like, there was a lot of not frozen areas, mm. as I recall it. There was, yeah, a fair amount of open water for February. Yeah, yeah, but for anybody who doesn't know, so Lake Winnipesaukee, that's the biggest lake in New Hampshire, right? Second largest lake in New England. Ah, see that? There you go. I don't yeah. even know all those fun facts. But uh, we got together for white perch, which is kind of like a a little bit of a malign species throughout the rest of the country. Like, they, they exist in a lot of places, yeah. but uh, Winnie is known for giants. I mean, they're yeah. like, they're damn near stripers. So we I remember we struggled for a few days, but then that, that second day, magic hour, like right at dark, I've never seen a screen. <laughs> the screen was just solid colors. Yeah. And just for mm. a half hour, you couldn't get a jig down there fast enough. And they brawl. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but you do a lot of other stuff up there. I know Hayden's excited to talk to you. He just caught his first uh, burbot or cusk, uh, as you would call them out there. And yep. he says, uh, will Tim give me all his cusk secrets? And I said, well, I don't know how much cusk fishing 
Tim does, but here's your chance, Hayden. What do you got? Well, it's more, I guess, what Tim's got for me, man. What do you got, Tim? Just <laughs> just start spilling secrets, man. Not, doesn't have to be in any particular order. New, new I'll state just... record, new state record fell up there not long ago, right? Just two weeks ago, yeah. Two weeks ago. Yeah, how that big was is that fish? Thirty-five inches. I don't remember how many pounds Ooh. it was, but it was like fifteen or sixteen pounds. Golly, it was yeah. big. Thirty-five. I've caught thirty inches. Yeah, and they're just like you lift them up, and they just keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Dude, I think those fish are just <laughs> so darn cool. I mean, for one, it, it looks like I don't know how familiar you are with first light, but uh, it looks like they're in that first light cipher camo pattern. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. All, I, I think they're like totally beautiful fish, and they're everything I like about catfish. Without like everything I don't, i.e. like basically just like those crazy ass spines that they have, man. They're super voracious. Like they they taste great, man. To me, that is just like a pinnacle game fish. I love those things. Yeah, they're they're fun to catch. And and the colors, you can catch one that's like really drab and brown. And then the next one will have this like the brightest yellow spots Mm. all over it. It's so like cool. snakeheads, man. Same deal. Some are like super copper and some are just like black. Yeah, yeah, so snakeheads, whatever. The, the, the uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bourbon, whatever. The, uh, yeah, yeah. Didn't they, I, I called them a game fish a minute ago. I think it was like Minnesota or Michigan, somewhere just classified uh, bourbon as like game fish, you know, off of the rough fish. Minnesota, list. I think. Probably it was. Minnesota. Yeah. They have the yeah. International Eel Pout Festival. Actually, yeah. I have so many friends that fish for them out there that I've started calling them eel pout without even realizing it. And yeah. my New Hampshire buddies are like, they're cusk. And Dude, I've been sleeping again. out for him on the ice, man. That is so fun. <laughs> Tim just wants to go to his home, take a hot shower. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so remind me, man, how many years now you've been guiding professionally? And you do do open water as well, so everybody yep. knows that. Yep, year-round, full-time. Um, next week will be 16 years. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Six, six awesome. years full-time. So you know, you know, you listen to Ben, so you know what Smooth Moves is about. Um, yeah. I don't know if we're going hard water, open water. The floor is completely yours, man. Give us, give us the most memorable, the one you're still scratching your head about over the yeah. years. That one is probably one that every one of my clients since has heard heard okay. about, and it's it's hard water. I mean, I probably have dozens of of not so smooth moves that I've done, but I've successfully managed to manipulate somebody else into taking the blame for him. <laughs> so, <laughs> right on. I don't even That's remember. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, so it was, it was ice fishing. Actually, I met these guys at the same parking lot that I met you the first day that we fished. He was there. I just have to add trailer. a side note to that real quick, just so people can get a visual. Like you had one snow machine and our, our bud Jim fee, who's been on the show a bunch uh, was there and like you basically pulled him in a tiny sled behind us, and it yeah. was bitterly cold. And I just remember looking back and just seeing Jim bundled up in like a t- in like the little sled being yeah. pulled. Well, it it, it yeah. downpoured the first day. It was just 50 that and that was raining. the problem was that it rained. So yeah. like we were literally walking in ten inches of water on top of that ice all day. It was just it was crazy. It yeah. was crazy. And then so. and then that afternoon, as soon as the rain stopped. The wind came, and that water yes. was skimming over before we could get off of it. Oh, dude, it was, it was, it was brutal. Nuts. It sucked. The, the, anyway, the tent was collapsing. The the uh, shanty <laughs> was collapsing around us. It was something yeah. else. So yeah. anyway, so that parking lot. Let's go back to that parking. Yeah. Lot. So uh, Jason and Harley. Jason was a he's a, owns like three tattoo shops in the area. He's a tattooer. He decided to bring his shop helper Harley, and so I meet them, and I I've known Jason for a long time, and. And he, they get out of the car and we say hello and do our, you know, exchange pleasantries and all that. And 
And I look down and Har- Harley's wearing Converse All-Stars, low tops. Uh, and and I, with, with, with every ounce of hope that you could ever imagine, I said, Harley, don't forget your boots. <laughs> <laughs> Praying to God that he, they were in the car. Like he just, Jason locked it prematurely or something. And he says, with a chuckle, Harley doesn't own boots. Oh, and I was like, no. oh, no. And I said, you're going to freeze your ass off today. And he said, I'll be fine. These, this is what I wear all, all winter walking around town. I'll be fine. And I said, Harley, I guarantee you that fine, that that is the very last time today you'll use that word. Because fine <laughs> is going to be so far out of your vocabulary that you're, you're, I said, but there is a word that I'll use later on. And I'll let you know when I, when, when it's time for your new nickname. An hour in, I look over and he's standing on one leg one foot and I said just switching them up yep I said hey Flamingo how many times have you switched feet and he said about four and I said you got only this was I used to do eight hour trips I do six now I said you only have seven hours more to go oh yeah boy so what so been. did how, how did did he did he make it did he made make it till it noon trip? made it till, till noon. noon yeah and then did you guys have to bail on the trip because he was wearing uh sneakers pretty much yeah I mean, they were they weren't fishermen, so they were like ready to go at noon anyway. But Harley yeah. was hurting. There's nothing that'll knock out a fishing trip quicker than like uh, like a lack of proper footwear. I mean, I've seen like I, I yeah. it, it, it's actually conformed to philosophy that I have about pretty much any outdoor pursuit. Right? It's like <clears throat> you can buy really expensive rods, you can buy really expensive you know guns, flashers, this, that, and the other thing. Ultimately, like what is going to contribute to your success the most in pretty much any outdoor pursuit is being properly like outfitted as far as your attire goes to be able to like stay in the pocket like for the entirety of however long you want to do it. This is this is one of the reasons why um, I get invited on a lot of open boats. You know, captain self be like, hey, man, if you want to get out, I got open boat. I have had some similar experiences where a a day has been cut short because you don't know who the guys on the open boat are. And if one of them is somebody's buddy's cousin or whoever, um, it's a long story to tell. Maybe I'll tell it sometime. But I got a chance to fish with Captain Frank Mundus, who was the inspiration for Captain Quint, on his original boat, the Cricket. And there was a gentleman on board who was wearing a Hawaiian shirt and the shortest shorts I've ever seen. And it was raining sideways in June (laughs) And like 56 degrees and rough as shit. And we ultimately never got to wet a line. I never actually got to put a line in the water with Frank because that dude was so shot and sick and freezing that we had to turn around. I can only imagine like Joe's murderous rage in that moment. It's actually uh, hanging out with, with it was, it's a great story, but I, I, I sympathize with that. So, so I mean, I imagine, you know, um, so, so note to self then. Uh, you don't provide ice fishing clothes for clients. No. You don't have extra stuff laying no. around, and, so that's and, on you. And they're, when they they have to go to the ice fishing page on my website to book their trip, right? And there is a whole list of what to bring. What should I bring? Mm. And and I I couldn't stress like I think it says good boots, good boots, good boots. Your feet will yeah. get cold first and stay right. cold the longest. If you think wearing hiking boots is going to be okay, you're wrong. And they wear hiking boots all the time. Hiking boots, hiking boots, and Under Armour. Under Armour is great stuff. 
It's not good for ice fishing. If you're moving. Under yeah. Armour is great stuff if you're moving. It's yep. not so good yep. when you're when you're uh, sitting still. Out here, like, you know, everybody wears muck boots. Everybody for everything, everybody always has neoprene knee highs. Yep. But like out east and like the Midwest, I feel like that's like not the case, man. I feel like the the muck boot is underappreciated. Yeah, there's a a bit of a following of muck boot wearers out here, but it, you go on any like New Hampshire Facebook fishing group and you'll see posts, you know, what are the best boots and there's 500 choices of people that insist that they wear the best boots. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you got at least have to try. Hiking boots, I don't even consider that trying. No, so you're like laceless <laughs> is like number one. Yeah. 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 Well, what's your boot of choice, man? I mean, so what matters most? Thickness of the sole? Like I've um, always been told that like sole thickness is helpful on the ice, right? To a degree. Some loft. Uh, Clam makes a really nice, it's probably the most comfortable rubber boot I've ever worn. And it's warm. It's removable liners. And there's a lot of loft into them. So air, dead air is probably the best, you know, insulation so you, that you can have. If you took nothing else away from this, you now have a recommendation on what kinds of boots will get you through a day with Tim Moore on uh, Lake yeah. Winnipesaukee. Yep. I have a lot of regular clients that wear those Sub-Zero X boots from Clam. And they all those love guys, them. Th- those sneaker guys ever come back? No. 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 <laughs> well, maybe I will see you this winter, man. Uh, I-, I would love to come up there and catch a bigger cusk than uh, Hayden's caught out in Montana. Yeah, maybe good we'll luck, get there buddy. together. Who knows? Yeah. That'd be fun. Since you guys are both experts. <laughs> I'm an expert in a lot of things, Joe. I'm an expert in no things, Joe. <laughs> Tell you what, low top chucks might be a poor choice on the ice, <laughs> but the but the high top ones in the, in the classic off white color were the original flats booties. Did you know that? In fact, I know dudes that still wear them for that. It makes a lot of sense, man. Like I I, I, w- I was uh, when I was a kid, I used to do a lot of like you know just mucking around in creeks and stuff yeah. like that, and I. That those were my preferred shoe of choice. I mean, it happened that it coincided with my emo phase, so I did have a lot of <laughs> high top chucks on hand. But uh, uh, you know, we're going to bring so, up your emo phase again later. By the way, yeah. Well, anyway, those, <laughs> they, they make sense because those flat booties come up high to protect you know the backs or ankles from stingrays and shit. You know, yeah. Though ironically, the economics have kind of reversed. Like there was a time I think when chucks were dirt cheap and like. <laughs> Early early versions of flats booties were expensive. Now it's the other way around, sadly, right? Like high-top chucks, because I looked, are significantly more money than a pair of neoprene flats boots. So, Well, that, that's like kind of the, the confluence of inflation and fashion trends. Uh, two topics <laughs> you might expect to be covered by a legitimate news source, which we are not. So who the hell knows what we're going to talk about in this week's edition of Fish News. Fish News! That escalated quickly. Before we jump in here, I got to give a uh, quick shout out, if I may, to listener Chad Mason for an email he sent. Now, the subject line of Chad's email was simply, oh, God, new, damn it. new rule. <laughs> no, we got to bring this up because this is too funny, dude. Come on. And in it, here's, here's what Chad suggests. He writes, how about if we aim to get the yeah man total down to no more than two per podcast? That seems like an achievable goal. It's a yeah man rate, like he did math, that would annoy only the most anal retentive listeners who shouldn't be allowed to set the bar. But if Hayden can't get there by April 1st, here's the rule. He has to get a salt life tattoo in a highly visible location. There is absolutely no way. 
But I love how he combines the yeah man thing with you way back openly admitting that you'd, you'd pretty much get any tattoo with just like a little cajoling. Yeah, I mean, like when I, when I said I'd pretty much get any <laughs> tattoo, I meant like, um, you know, like excluding like a. I, I, I <laughs> you did say you'd be open to a brand. You mentioned getting a first light I did, tattoo. I was joking. I, I, I was joking, man. I, yeah, man. Salt life, dude. You know, come on. No, listen. I would not. No, no. It, Chad, thank you. It is funny. I would never let you get a did salt Did I life say tattoo. yeah, man, in that response? I think I might have. You might have. I don't know. I'll have to play it back. <laughs> yeah, man. Salt life, dude. Time for tattoos. Are you sure it's life with, like, a Y like that? Why don't you just shut up and let me do my job? Um, no, but I, I could not let you do that. I would never, I would never allow that. So, uh, funny idea, but no, that's not going to, no, that can't happen. I, no, I like you too much. Oh, thanks, man. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, look, hey, I got an idea. Whoever loses this week has to get a yeah man tattoo on his upper rib cage. <laughs> no. Also, oh, on, no, it's a hard no for me. <laughs> oh, it'll look cool. Uh, yeah. and, anyway, re- remember, uh, folks, th- this is Fish News. This is a competition. Joe and I do not know which news story the other guy is bringing to the table. And at the end of it, our audio engineer, Phil Taylor, will decide who wins and whether that yeah man tattoo has to have barbed wire or tribal accents around it. <laughs> Joe, it is your lead, man. What do you got? I'd go, I'd go full barbed wire. Um, yeah, so let's see. This is one of those weeks that produced a lot of great fishing stories, lots to pick from. So I'm, I'm extremely glad that it is my uh, my lead this week. And I didn't have to grapple that much because it's my lead, because I knew this afforded me the opportunity to cover what might be the greatest fish news story we've ever had. Um, a ton of you guys sent this along. So finally, now we can all get together and talk about Troy. So Troy, <laughs> Troy, uh-huh. whose last name is is not known, but that's for the better. That's fine. Troy is from Minnesota, and uh, he and a group of his buddies frequently get together to fish both open water and on the ice. Same group of dudes. Uh, another member of that group, by the way, goes by Chappie, which instantly tells me he's a good time. And uh, then there's group member David V. Now, per the story about this on Inforum.com, it's extremely common for Troy to catch nothing when he goes fishing. But I I would like to point out uh, that does not, however, make him a gooch. So we've talked a lot about the gooch on this show. A gooch. You don't remember the gooch? I'm going to explain. I'm going to re-explain the gooch here. So it'll fill you in. Because We've talked about the the gooch on this show and see already you're going sexual body (laughs) parts and that's not what it is at all. (laughs) Well, yeah, you should have, you were listening before you got here. Anyway, anyway, to be a to be a goocher, as we've said, your presence alone needs to ruin everybody's good time. You have to be the bringer of wind and rain, or your aura uh, by itself just has to stop everyone else from catching fish. That's what a goocher is. So, like, you're the guy that just brings the mm-hmm. fishing down. Okay, uh, but that's not Troy. He's not the gooch because everyone else on these trips is apparently successful. In fact, in this story, David recalls a trip where Chappie had tied one on pretty good the night before, wound up sleeping in the boat for most of the following day. Troy had caught nothing that day, and suddenly uh, in the afternoon, Chappie rouses for just a brief moment 
out of his his hangover stupor, uh, just in time to see his bobber go down, and he catches a fish. Nice, right? So I don't I don't even know these guys, but I love these guys because every group has their version of Troy, and and like, like Troy is necessary to keep ball busting levels up to you know to proper levels and banner constant. Um, so, but what he, seems, so he basically fills the role that I do here. Yes, correct. That is right. <laughs> Bing. Um, but what seems to have unfolded in this group is a is a game of ball busting one upsmanship. So they always gave each other a hard time, right? As long as they've been fishing together. Yeah. But Troy leveled it up not long ago by hiring Christopher McDonald, the actor who is obviously uh, best known for playing Shooter McGavin in Happy Gilmore. On cameo, he hired him <laughs> to record this video message. You guys really think you're going to beat Troy on your ice fishing trip this year? <laughs> That's Christopher McDonald of Happy Gilmore fame. Troy arranged this personalized message. I just want to say that Cameo is one of the best inventions of like... Oh, it is. Re ...recent times. <laughs> In fact, one time uh, my buddy dropped an album that he had been working on for quite some time. And I hired uh, Chris Hansen of To Catch a Predator... To review his nice. album. <laughs> nice. My brother-in-law sent a Valentine, had Ice-T send a Valentine to my sister-in-law. Freaking Ice-T. I'm like, wow. I'm going to see if I can find that, that video review, man. William Brown. Hmm. Why does that name sound so lyrically familiar? Hmm, William. Chris Hansen here of Hansen versus Predators and to catch a predator. William, I'm going to need you to have a seat right over there. Been going through some transcripts and I see where you just released a single called Birthday Punches. I took a listen. Pretty good. Good luck with that. Anyway, good luck with that. I'll be watching and listening. Please know that Hayden wishes you all the best as well. Take care. I'll see you on the TV. <laughs> yeah, Cameo. I've never used Cameo, but it's kind of cool. Anyway, so Troy uh, had McDonald shoot that video, and he just sent it around to the group to bust balls. And David said, okay, hold my beer, and answered that by taking out ad space on a massive LED billboard up oh near gosh. Brainerd, Minnesota, which is a super fishy town, right? All the ad featured... And this is like a big highway billboard. Yeah. Was a giant photo of Troy and the words Troy sucks <laughs> at fishing. Now, full disclosure, now, man, I did see this. And this is it wasn't your lead. You knew I was taking it. I thought that it could have been the golden crappie, but I, I, I realize now that it could only have been this. It could only have been you, Troy. <laughs> Well, there were there were better stories, and I don't know what you grabbed, but there like there were like there were like some serious wins in Colorado stream access this week, and that's like a major thing. And Colorado, awesome, and I'm so sorry, but like Troy sucks at fishing billboard. Just like scroll, I'm so like I have to do this. Like this is like the greatest. This is the greatest thing. Um, so anyway, David and company, they could have stopped there with just that billboard that said Troy sucks at fishing, but nay, they went the <laughs> extra mile. To have the Troy sucks at fishing text change, flash over to talk smack to him at Troy sucks two at gmail.com. And I mean, that's just a straight bravo. 
I mean, bravo. Uh, but I had to know a you, little more. You right? know we're going to draft up an email as soon as we get done this podcast, right? Uh, I already beat you to it because I wanted answers to a few questions not covered in the news reports. So I tracked David down and reached out to him, <laughs> right? Now, first and foremost, I was curious about the financials of this one-upsmanship, right? And I learned that to get Shooter McGavin to send you a cameo video, that'll cost you $220, which is pretty spendy. And props yeah. to Troy because he made the first move there. Like, he made the first move. But um, an ad on a giant LED billboard, well, surprisingly, that only cost David $250. What? So, so, so technically, he won in terms of the spend, but not by much. But I have to give the round to David because while the Shooter McGavin video, like, that's good, it's only shared among the group, whereas David spent about the same amount of money for full <laughs> public humiliation. So, like, his round. Like, that's David's round. Um, now, mind you, this only happened last week, right? But David told me that the Troy Sucks Gmail has already received over 300 messages from as far away as Costa Rica, Australia, and Sweden. He's gotten loads from Canada and emails from pretty much every state in the union. Uh, now, he forwarded me, at my request, a handful of these emails. And, and most are, as you'd expect, pretty jovial and just jokey. Um, as an example, one says, your mate has punked you bad. Looking forward to your reply. I suck at fishing too. Regards from Bellina, Australia. <laughs> um, another, another reads, greetings from the California Delta where you would still suck at fishing. And the guy just tossed in a selfie of him giving Troy the finger. Um, you know, and he was, he was naturally inundated with memes. But my favorite one uh, just had the subject line, I'll fish with you, but the message just read that guy. So it was, it was a whole <laughs> gamut, whole whole gamut, right? Uh, so hey, congratulations to all parties involved, Troy included, because this is great. And it leaves me wondering though, Troy, how are you going to top that? Like people are now expecting you to come back bigger. And better, and I got, to, I got to tell you, I wasn't necessarily planning on watching the Super Bowl, but now I'm going to just in case there's like a halftime commercial about David V sucking at fishing, starring Troy. I mean, that is, in my opinion, really the only honorable response. Now, listeners, if I mean, I'm sure you know this, Joe and I live in separate parts of the country. Yes, I am in Bozeman, and we are recording this podcast via uh, video chat right now. Now, Joe, yes. you might have noticed that I was looking down on my phone just then. Yes. Uh, listeners, on my Instagram story, you are going to find a, a, a photo of this billboard. And it is going to have a poll beneath it. And the poll will be requesting uh, comments that we can send to Troy. I will be aggregating <laughs> a group email. If you feel like being on that email, respond to the poll with your comment to Troy. And I will make Damn sure that it gets to him. Please enter your password. You have one unheard message. I'd like to submit a fucking complaint. Bunker is fresh fish. I'm not sure why I'm having so much trouble using these stamps to purchase fresh bunker. Please call Bob. End of message. Delete. Press 7. Save. Deleted. 
O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild, but searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today because trust me there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth there's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the sunshine state or any other destination on your fishing bucket list book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids with over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. All right, Joe. So uh, this week on Fish News, we are, we're, we're going to go back to the European coast and talk about something way less fun than a, uh, a billboard ragging on your buddy or a group of Irish fishermen outgaming wargaming Russians. Um, so, All right. <laughs> uh, so I originally saw this on Insider, so uh, that's my original source there. Although I've, I've picked up bits and pieces from other online publications, some of which I've now bought subscriptions to. So uh, thank you, Meat Eater. Anyhow, uh, <laughs> <laughs> dude, quick thing about that. If you, if you just keep changing browsers like a million times, eventually you'll get beyond the paywall. Sounds like I owe you money again, meat eater. Anyhow, <laughs> <laughs> don't support journalism. We wouldn't want to do that. All right. So look, this past Thursday, it emerged that the second largest uh, fishing vessel in the world, the FV Margiris, uh, lost or dumped a massive catch of fish, depending on who you ask. Uh, the mm. fish in question were blue whiting, uh, a type of cod most often used for fish sticks and other commercial fish products, like you know, like cod oil and fish meal. Yeah, uh, estimates put the number of lost fish somewhere in the range of one hundred thousand fishes. It's a lot of cod. Yeah, a lot of cod. Now, now I said uh, lost or dumped because there are varying accounts of how all these dead fish ended up floating off the coast of France. 
So from my understanding of it, the first group of folks to bring this to global attention uh, was the controversial conservation group, Sea Shepherd. If Mm. yeah, if you don't (laughs) know, uh, if somehow you don't know about Sea Shepherd, um, they're widely considered a group of extremists, even by the standards of like other conservationists. In fact, as reported by the BBC in 2012, the Ninth Circuit of Appeals issued an injunction forbidding vessels in the Sea Shepherd fleet from approaching within 500 meters of any Japanese whaling vessels, citing the Sea Shepherd fleet's use of often violent tactics uh, in their anti-whaling efforts. Uh, Japan has, at least at some point, labeled the Sea Shepherd crew as eco-terrorists and Mm -hmm. in that injunction i just mentioned the judge just flat out called them pirates and told them to mind their own damn business okay (laughs) so that's the sea shepherd folks all that said the sea shepherd folks are the people who first brought this to light uh now joe do you think they're on the lost it or dumped it side Mm. I'll go with dumped it, Alex. You'd be correct. So the Sea Shepherd <laughs> contends that the 100,000 blue whiting were actually bycatch and dumped at sea in order to save the FV Margaris uh, the trouble of having to go to port and declare bycatch as required by the EU law. On the flip side of this, we have the narrative as according to the definitely not financially invested Pelagic Freezer Trawler Association, uh, who just happened to represent the Dutch company that owns the Margaris. Uh, and, and contend that the fish were not dumped, but rather the net broke due to the presence of abnormally large blue whiting overwhelming what they call the cod end of the nets. And, and what they mean by that is like uh, not like an unusually large catch, but like the individual sizes of these like specimens. Like these were mm-hmm. on an individual basis, very large blue whiting. Anyhow, so a real quick lesson on this type of fishing vessel. Uh, the Margiris is a, a midwater pelagic trawler. Uh, when people hear trawler, for whatever reason, they immediately think of something like dragging up the bottom. And that's not what this is. It's a pelagic trawler. So it, it targets fish above the seafloor with these like giant ass nets. In the case of this vessel, um, these nets are nearly a mile long. Um, also, a it's what it's what's called a freezer trawler, which is basically a fishing vessel capable of processing its catch at sea. And we actually touched on this a while back in uh, in that cod story I, I did about the uh, about the cod fisheries off the coast of Maine. Um, yeah, part of the decline of that fishery was related to the advent of these ultra efficient fishing vessels and uh, their ability to fish harder and longer. Anyhow, uh, the PFA put out, and that's the Freezer Trawler Association, uh, put out a statement. I know, I'm a member. <laughs> put out a statement <laughs> saying that, uh, Got this, the hat. Yep, that this event was due to an unusually large catch basically breaking the net. So, which is it? It would seem as if the Sea Shepherd folks make a half-decent argument in that going back to port to declare bycatch would be a huge pain for the Margiris and ultimately cost the vessel like a just just a ton of money. Sure. Now that Yeah, I mean yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean there's there's financials at play here, I'm sure. Right. Now that line of thinking makes for a compelling argument, except when you consider that blue whiting is a target species. Uh the PFA points out that the Margiris has a quota for blue whiting and that it makes no sense to dump a valuable fish. I'll mention that in everything I've read, there hasn't been a suggestion of like what more desirable fish uh the fishing vessel may have dumped their catch of blue whiting in order to make room for. 
You know, it's not like they were like, oh, yeah, I mean, they ran into this school of shit with, like, their uh, blue whiting with their net down. Well, so they're a freezer trawler, so they lost that that net. That's what they're saying. Mm-hmm. But then what was in the hold? What what did they have? Uh, it doesn't mention that. Gotcha. It doesn't okay. mention that. I, or, or at least not in anything that, that, that I saw. Um, so, look, the reason that I picked this story is it kind of – you have two factions of folks, right? You have like the Sea Shepherd, you know, inclined folks who are like everything that happens is like an environmental disaster. And then you have the other, uh, you know, hard line stance, which comes from like the commercial fishing industry that goes, well, no, actually, we didn't do anything wrong. And this is like a, a huge loss for us. It, it just kind of highlights the danger of like picking one side and like digging your heels in on it. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean, but I think, you know, you're talking about a middle ground here in commercial fishing. I don't like, is there ever going to be peace, love and harmony here? I don't because every recreational angler and, uh, you know, environmental group like Sea Shepherd will always believe that the commercial fleet is not on the up and up. I mean, there's pages of data, there's associations governing both sides of this, but I mean, I don't think there's ever going to be a win there. You know, anytime something, something that that you want, you know, you can't have. I'll use flounder as an example. Mm-hmm. Well, it's very hard to catch keeper flounder in Jersey now, and the you know the limit is very small, and that really hurt the recreational fishing community, right? But if you ask any devoted flounder fisherman, like, what's the problem? That's a guy. It's goddamn draggers. Mm-hmm. That's right where you go. That's right where you go. Even though there's regulations on those guys that we assume are being followed and they'll tell you they are and everybody else will tell you they won't. So like if you're looking for like the Shangri-La where everybody's happy, it's very clear that all the commercial operations are doing exactly what they're supposed to. And those things also match what environmental and recreational groups want to see. I don't know if that ever exists. Right. Right. Sucks, but I don't. Th- I don't think that's ever going to exist. Right. Well, this is basically like the latest installment of that fight, and uh, you know, it's something that I thought was worth uh, bringing to folks' attention. So, anyway, that's basically what happened. The Sea Shepherd is like these guys are bad fish dumpers, and the uh, the Pelagic Freezer Trawler Association is now paying their PR guy double. And uh, oh, France is uh, <laughs> France is looking into the issue. Well. France. They come from France. They'll let us know what happens there. Um, yeah, man, I, it's a tough deal. You hate to see any fish wasted, but if, who's right? Who's wrong? No way to answer that question. Their net may have broke. Shit happens. Shit breaks all the time on boats. God knows I know it because I've had many boats and something is always broken. Anyway, uh, Phil, commercial commercial fishing travesties uh, or Troy, who sucks at probably commercial fishing as well as recreational <laughs> fishing. Uh, let us know. We're going to hear from Phil. He's going to judge us. And then when we're done with that, we're going to do a fin clips, which we haven't done in a while. Um, not on, since Phil on, 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 oh yeah, you're right. Phil did the last fin clips. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be on Hayden's current favorite fish. So we'll, we'll listen to that. And then as soon as he catches something else he hasn't caught before, we'll have another fin clips on his new favorite fish. Joe, you do not suck at fish news. You're the winner this week. (laughs) Believe it or not, I actually met Chris Hansen once. It was a little awkward at first, but after he told me to put down the Zima and to take a seat, you know, we actually had a pretty eye-opening conversation. He told me I should have gone with a Smirnoff Ice or Bartles and James. And, you know, god damn it, he was right. He was right. I've recently become obsessed with a fish. 
I've been poring over studies and watching everything from academic lectures to YouTube catch and cooks. I've been fishing for them as much as my free time allows, like camping on the ice the last three weekends in a row, falling asleep with my flasher on, and hoping I'll wake to the sound of bells jingling on the end of my dead stick. I've probably bought $1,000 worth of gear between tip-ups, jigs, shelters, a negative 25-degree sleeping bag, which really isn't a negative 25-degree sleeping bag, um, a buddy heater, and I couldn't even tell you what else. My name is Hayden Samak, and I admit it, I have a problem. My girlfriend would agree. The object of my obsession is a fish by many names, uh, lawyer, eel pout, cusk, and scientifically loda loda but you might know them best as burbot. A burbot is the only freshwater gadiform, uh, meaning cod-like fish, and it thrives in cold water lakes and rivers. They're circumpolar species endemic around the world above the 40th parallel. What makes them so interesting to me is their uniqueness. These fish are singular when it comes to many facets of their existence. Let's start with their physicality. The burbot truly looks unlike any other freshwater species of fish. For starters, they have a singular barbel at the base of their chin, which is actually where they get their common name of burbot. You know, barbel, burbot. Uh, they're a long cylindrical fish with no noticeable scales except in the largest specimens, and even then it's mostly around their head. Additionally, many burbot have this beautiful mottled pattern, and as you heard me mention to Tim a little earlier, it reminds me a lot of the first light uh, cipher camo pattern. Burbot are also some of the only fish that communicate with sound, using muscles around their swim bladder to make percussive noises. Burbot are truly nocturnal and come up from their deep water daytime haunts into the shallows to spawn and feed at night. Speaking of spawning, burbot are unique in that they spawn in the dead of winter, mostly under ice. Besides the timing, their method of spawning is a little unique. As broadcast spawners, they congregate into balls of writhing fish, which some folks call mating balls, and release milt and eggs into the water that hopefully fertilize and land safely in the substrate, where they'll incubate and hatch into larval burbot. Aside from my admiration of the fish itself, what I really like about burbot is catching them. Uh, in my own limited understanding of burbot fishing, you know, I'm still new at this, most of it is done through the ice. I like to set tip-ups in 10 to 20 feet of water with a number 6 treble hook, egg sinker, and a short 20-pound floral leader. For bait, I like chunk sucker. Um, I've also had luck jigging for burbot with a heavy 1-ounce glowing jig with a glowing tube or grub and a piece of sucker meat. Uh, folks make burbot-specific jigs known as pout pounders to catch them, which are, which are basically heavy, glowing, rattling, jigging spoons. And a lot of folks fish them to great effect. Should you catch them, I found burbot to be delicious. Their flesh, in my opinion, is just about the best tasting of any freshwater species I've ever had. Their livers, which comprise 10% of their body weight, are perfect for making pâté. I made one the other day, and Steve Rinella, the man himself, told me it was among the best things he'd ever eaten. I'd have to agree, although I'm not sure it had as much to do with my culinary prowess so much as the deliciousness of the primary ingredient, the burbot. So there you have it, a neophyte's description of a burbot and catching them. I'll be fishing for them, admiring them, and eating them as often as possible going forward. And while I was very pleased indeed to catch my first walleye the other day, I think burbots are sincerely my new favorite fish. 
Post them if you got them. We'd love to see photos of you with your personal best burbot. So make sure to throw those up on the old Instagram and use the Degenerate Angler and Bent Podcast hashtags. And if you want to hear us sing the praises of your favorite fish, write to bent at themeateater.com with your nomination. So first, I think we can put burbot to bed for a while now. It's getting almost as annoying as my snakeheads, but I got to bring something up, right? You went out the other night burbot fishing with our colleague Sam Lundgren, right? Yes. Okay. And Sam posted a picture of you on a ground pad in your sleeping bag holding a nice burbot. And I didn't really think anything of the shot. Like nothing nothing struck me really. Um, but you, you happen to have some wicked hat hair in that photo <laughs> that kind of gave you like the swooping sideways emo bangs. And yeah. listener Chad Camp wrote in and said that you look like someone whose dad took him to see the Black Parade. When and I, I was, was. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, OMG, was that a My Chemical Romance reference? Bravo, Chad. I could not have done better myself. It's so ironic, though, because I think people think you're high, which you aren't. And now they think you're an emo kid, which maybe you had a phase, but I really like that's not really your jam now. Like, that's not what you're listening Bro, to. I, I had a. I had a straight up emo kid phase, man. You and did. It, oh yeah, man. It started. Uh, it started with me uh, coming from a uh, like a like a. It wasn't like a Catholic school, but it was where you'd wear like uniforms and stuff. Uh huh. And then I went right into like our public school system after like that grade school kind of ended. It ended at sixth grade, and I had a wicked crush on this chick Nicole, and I just remember <laughs> being like, "All right." I'm going to be emo now because it seems like that's what this girl likes. <laughs> so and, okay, bro, so you, I committed, man. I had like I had like a little piece of my hair dyed red and shit. Oh, good for you. So you're 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 significant. And my dad took me to get it dyed. My dad took me to get it dyed. So he didn't take me to the black parade, but he took me to like the <laughs> the red salon, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that so okay. There's there's an age gap between us. So then, like, who was your band during that phase? Like, who, like who was the big deal in the Dude, emo I shit scene you then? not. I shit you not. It was My Chemical Romance. The used scared me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, then before we move on, Helena here, is still a great f- song. Helena's a pretty good song. I'll give him. I'll give him Helena. Quick story though, right? My high school band headlined a show in Jersey that My Chemical Romance opened, Bullshit. and it was shit. No, it's a true story. It was their first show ever, and we were like dorks. Look at these nerds, freaking whiny chumps. They're over here singing about their feelings, like not masturbation and drinking Mad Dog Twenty Twenty like we do, like the cool I kids love do. Me and Mad D Twenty Twenty. Yeah. Anyway, if y'all got any of that Black Parade money still kicking around, you know, you can help out a <laughs> fishing brother, my Chemical Romance. But yeah, dude, that's uh, that's a true story. Uh, speaking of which, how about we uh, help a brother out this week uh, in our own way with uh, a new edition of the Bent Helpline? What are you laughing at, Martini? You're not an idiot. Huh? You're not a damn loony now, boy. You're a fisherman. <laughs> What's your emergency? So welcome to the Bent Helpline, where uh, we read or, I guess, play, if you're sending in an audio file, your listener questions, and then Joe and I do our best to answer them. Uh, this week, we got a question from Kinger1186, whose question is simply, why can't I get a goddamn steelhead to bite? I'm going absolutely mad. 
Now, Hayden, I, I chose, pre- Hayden chose this question, by the way. <laughs> I want to preface it with that. Don't you preface well, I, before I preface. I heard you about to say preface. No, don't, don't double preface me. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to preface it by, uh, by saying if you're a West Coast dude, I can't really help you. Uh, basically, I think what you're coming up against in that fishery is a a declining. At least if you're talking about wild fish, as we touched on, there are like plenty of rivers that have hatchery fish. But if you're uh, fishing for wild steelhead, um, the numbers are not good, and swinging flies is f-ing hard, bro. <laughs> you know, like like that. That's that's can, basically all can, I have. There. Can we can we be totally open and honest with our listeners about this question? Can we do that? Maybe I don't know. It depends. Are you gonna throw my first question when you suggested this question was: Is he a West Coast guy or an East Coast guy? And I said he looked like an East Coast guy, right? And I was like, "How do you know?" And you were like, "Because I feel it just looking at him. He's an East Coast guy." So yeah, I mean, neither one of us are experts in West Side Steel. Um, so if that's if that's what you're trying to catch, uh, let us know, and we can point you to some experts in that arena. Yeah, but and if um, you're more interested in East Coast Steel, let us know that. And help me prove my point to Joe that 90% of folks asking this question are fishing the Great Lakes. <laughs> You're probably right. I'm not I'm not arguing I'm that right. because people know that that we both love Great Lakes steel. I just think it's funny because I'm like, that's very open-ended and we don't know where he's from. Um, I'll but, tell you what, the real question here, like the real variable is if he's talking uh, fly or spin. Now, mm-hmm. you have probably done more spin fishing for steelhead than I have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. while I don't think that I've done more fly fishing for steelhead than you have, it is still something that I feel very confident speaking towards. So why don't you take the lead and, and give him some spin advice, and then I'll follow you up with my take on fly fishing for him. Well, that's fine, but I'm going to take a different approach because I think because of the lack of information we have here on 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 how he's trying to target these fish and where he's trying to target these fish, like anytime somebody's like, I'm, I'm really having trouble catching this, or I want to catch bigger these. Um, yeah. The, the the simplest piece of advice is get out there and target them as much as you possibly can. Like no matter what you mm. are trying to fish for, if you are struggling, uh, because again, dude, it's it's hard without knowing like what, did you go once last year? Did you yep. go 15 times? Like yep. even if you don't really know what you're doing, the more you go, you the more you'll figure it out, which will ultimately lead to catching more and bigger fish. Sure. So, um, you know, in 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 terms of of spinning, um, well, here really quick, and uh, you know, something I want to tack onto that is you got to be careful of like what kind of media you're consuming and what uh, where it originated. When I was first getting into steelhead, it was actually a bus drive, like my my like school bus driver is the one who really fostered that interest, man. He, that, that dude was great. His name was Tony Spagnola. He used to give me all sorts of fly tying material that he wasn't using anymore. All sort like stacks of magazines from like the nineties that were just like, that dude was awesome. Thank you, Tony publicly. Um, <laughs> but one thing that he also gave me was a, a VHS copy of um, shit. I forget what like the movie was called. It was that Lonnie Waller. Uh, Turner and Hooch. No, it, it, Lonnie Waller <laughs> is like a very famous, you know, uh, West Coast steelheader. And he had this one video, I think it was on the Babine, where he, he was catching all sorts of steel and like throwing like waking flies for him and picking them up off the surface. And like that was my introduction to steelhead fishing. That said, not super applicable in uh, in the Great Lakes 
fisheries. So one thing that I would be very cognizant of is where your steelhead information is coming from. If you're an East Coast dude and you're taking in a bunch of like West Coast media, uh, that's going to kind of skew your perspective on steelhead fishing. And it might give you, you might be arming yourself with techniques that aren't super applicable. Yeah. It also varies quite a bit within the East Coast fishery. As an example, like um, the Grand River in Ohio, beautiful river. I've only ever fished it once and I fished it in the fall during a road trip, uh, you know, across the Great Lakes to hit all these steel rivers in one shot. And we struggled. We had one really nice fish, but we struggled. And then come to find out later, I've had a lot of people tell me, well, actually, the Grand fishes better in spring than mm. it does in fall and winter. Yet, drop back fishery? Right. But yet 30 miles down the road on the Ashtabula or whatever, it's the, it's the complete opposite. So it really can vary. And and it's, it's hard to break down, um, you know, a, a lot of this into specifics. But what I can tell you, whether it's fly or spinning, like one thing I've always been taught – uh, you know, I've always tend to steelhead fish in the colder months, and everybody wants to swing, right? Even the Great Lakes guys, like, yeah. oh, man, I want to swing one. I want to swing one up. And that doesn't necessarily mean a fly. Like, I know people who target them with inline spinners, swinging inline spinners I know people who target them with, uh, with Rapalos. Yeah, sure, exactly, right? Um, but that has a very, as I've always been told, a very small window. Like, once that water gets much below, like, 45 degrees – it becomes very hard to get one a true swing. Now, back trolling is a different story. That's because yeah. that's not really swinging. But true swinging across a run, aggressive fish charges over, eats lure or fly. There's a very small window. So, like, no matter how you're fishing, keep that in mind that once that water gets gets cold, everything now becomes slow. And you bounce that shit right off their face. It doesn't matter if it's an egg sack or an egg fly or a nymph. Like, it becomes a slower presentation. Yeah. I'd also, like, pay attention to when you were going after them. Because steelhead, I've noticed, are like a, I mean, this is a widely uh, held observation. Steelhead are like a fickle fish, man. If you got, like, a front coming in or you're in the middle of, like, a cold snap or something like that. And, like, the only reason the water isn't frozen is because it's moving a lot of times that can spell like you know a frustrating day on the water that said if you're like trying to pick your spot and you notice that uh you know the it's you're going to be in a warm spell right like one of those like my favorite steelhead fishing is like a mid-february warm spell where the water just bumps up two or three degrees and all of a sudden it's on yeah fire i'd pay very close attention to that now that's like a a conditions-based thing on a technique-based thing, um, I, I think that you'd be – the first thing that I would look at is your weight. Uh, the steel I like relate to the bottom heavily, particularly when it's cold, right, which is when most people are fishing for them anyhow. A lot of times you're going to run into problems if you are not using enough weight. You really need to like get the fly down there. Forget like the really pretty spay cast. Forget your snap tee and shit. If you're just trying to catch one, man, I would chuck and duck, man. I, w- I would chuck and duck. I always figure if I didn't lose at least 10 flies in a session, I wasn't doing it right. Yeah. Like, it yeah. is super common, at least on the Salmon River, where I've done most of my steelheading. That's where I've done most of mine, too. Yeah, dude. Like, you know the drill, then. It's like, if you get if you get 10 clean drifts, and your shit comes back, and you didn't hang up and bust off, you're like, 
wow, must be my birthday. Like, yeah. you, like you are constantly breaking off. Like, that is all part of it. Yeah. I would also suggest going for, um, you know, a lot of times in these major uh, Great Lakes steelhead fisheries, you'll see people fishing a lot of, like, super sparkly shit, whether that's, like, the crystal meth fly or, like, giant estaz eggs and I personally have never had particularly good luck fishing that way. Most of what I've been fishing is stuff for my trout box, you know, size, you know, there's nothing wrong with fishing a 14 pheasant tail, particularly with like a bead head. Maybe you want a little like hot spot or like a pop of blue on it, I think is like a real popular thing to do. But I tend to like, uh, like flies like that. Yeah, I see. I, I, I take a slightly different approach. I, I don't. I feel like maybe I don't give the fish as much credit as you do, especially in the winter when you know they're holed up. I just keep changing shit. And like, it's like, oh, they're on pink. Oh, they're not now. I'll just yep. go to yellow. Oh, got another one. Like, it's just something different. Um, and that's not necessarily, you know, doesn't necessarily happen that way all the time. But um, I mean, that's the other thing too, without knowing exactly which river he's fishing and what he's looking for. I mean, come on, dude, especially on a weekend all winter long, you want to know if there's steelhead in a particular hole? Question one, is anybody else fishing it? If yes, there are probably steelhead there. So once they get concentrated in the winter, once they're in that winter pattern, it's very common. How many times have you gone up there and it's like whack, whack, whack at first light? It's like, oh, and- Boom. Gone. Just a little sunlight comes up. They didn't go anywhere. They're still right there. They're but like off. that was their feed window. So yep. again, you this is all this is all stuff you learn just by, you know, doing it for a long time and pounding a lot of water. Yeah. Yeah. And uh the the other thing that I would, you know, advise our listener to do is don't think of them so much is I mean they are, but like don't think of them so much as giant rainbow trout and fish them in the same way that you might fish rainbow trout. What I look for is um, a lot of, like, frog water, like where you might expect to find a brown trout, perhaps. Mm-hmm. You know, on on the inside edges of those seams where you have, like, you know, you have a run coming down, and it hits the bank real hard, and you'd be like, oh, they're going to be in that, like, deep cut in this seam on, like, the far side of that bank. A lot of times that's not where I find them. I find them on the inside of that seam where like it kind of like eddies out a little bit. And it's uh, you, a lot of times what you hear is you hear people talking about a walking speed. Like if the water is moving at a walking yeah. speed, that might be where steelhead hangs out. And, and I've noticed that that is uh, that's true. The other thing, um, you know, as far as like reading the water uh, and like the actual like river condition goes is what time of the year you're fishing for them. Where they, one of the most frustrating experiences I ever had was in the beginning of the pandemic, I took a, I took a girlfriend uh, steelhead fishing and I was just hammering the spots where I'd catch them all winter long and nothing was happening. Like, in fact, we, we hooked a couple smelt, like, or not smelt, um, what, what the fuck do you call them? Baby fish. Smolt. I host a fishing podcast, folks. You were one letter off. (laughs) And I was like, what the hell is going on? And I called my guide buddy, and he was like, well, dude, have you ever been up here in the spring? I was like, you know what? I haven't. He was like, well, go to, like, the f***ing gravel. Right, yeah. And so so I I went over to the gravel, and we started, like, hooking a bunch of fish, and it was awesome. So you got to keep in mind what time of year you're fishing. If you're fishing early in the fall, they're going to be in those runs behind salmon. If you're fishing 
in the winter, they're going to be in that frog water. And if you're fishing in the spring and for dropbacks, they're going to be on those gravel bars where they're spawning or where they've just spawned. And if that hasn't helped you, join us next week for chapter two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Kinger1186, thank you for uh, sending that question in. And I hope that was helpful, although I'm sure you are just more confused. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you want to uh, if you want to have your question answered on air or if you want to send a voice memo and hear yourself on air, uh, you can get that to us at bent at the or you can maybe slide into Joe or my DMs on the old Instagram. So that's it for this week, kinda, sorta. Maybe. There's a little clue for you. See how many people uh, pick up on that. Anyway, thanks again to Tim Moore for dropping by. Hopefully I'll see him this winter and uh, maybe stick a bigger burbot than you and talk about it for weeks (laughs) on end. Yeah, well, well, you won't, man. You you won't. Because, you know, I do a lot of night fishing. Oh, there's another tip for you. Um, I'm calling it now. I'm also calling you guys to keep sending those sale bin items, bar nominations, helpline questions, and awkward photos to bent at com. Yes, please keep doing that and keep using those Degenerate Angler and Bent podcast hashtags. We try to put eyes on every single one of those. And finally, when you've worn out those docks on the ice or those chucks on the flats, do the right thing. Tie the laces together and throw them over a power line. (laughs) Hipster kids that don't fish need something to photograph. All right, folks, if you've uh, if you stuck around this long, we have a little something extra for you. Since we started the Bent Helpline, uh, you know, we've got a ton of great listener questions. So many, in fact, that we can't answer them all. So Joe and I decided that we'd make like a, a little bonus track. Yeah, we've done this before a while ago. We had a, a bonus Sagely Wisdom hidden track a la the, a Tool CD from the 90s. And it seemed to work well. So this is a good idea. Um, and yeah, every now and again, like here and there, we're going to drop this little segment that we're calling night fishing after the outro and extend the party just a little longer. So crack a buckskin, sink into that lawn chair and uh, watch your glow bobbers because it's time to go night fishing. So listener Zach Mahalik, that's uh, at Zach underscore Mahalik on the Instagram, wants to know, this is a fun one. He says, solo trips can be fun, but how do you get your fishing buddy to stop canceling last minute? Oof. Boy, I can speak to this one. Yeah, man. I like it's like the bane of that was like the bane of my early fishing existence. Cause like I was, I'm sure like you and a lot of like folks listening can relate. We're just into it more than apparently everybody else. Well, that's that and and that is the truth. I gotta tell you, um finding fishing buddies with the the full fire that you have, if you have said fire. Yeah. It's not always as easy as you think. Like, 
the most hardcore fishing buddies that I have, none of them live close to me. Yeah. Like, like they're scattered all over the country and it's like such a treat to get together. But, and this is not, this is not certainly not shitting on anybody that I fish with regularly. It's just a matter of like, you know, family life and stuff. Like there's mm-hmm. not a lot of other dudes that have the schedule I have where I can sneak out yeah. on a Wednesday morning if I wanted to, you know. Um, and I will push aside all obligations on a weekend to go fish for something. Not everybody can do that. It's just, it just is what it is. Um, but this, this, this question certainly resonates with me because I also have some of those people that they are notorious for that. Yeah. And what I've, what I've essentially used them for, it's like, let's say I'm going somewhere and I'm like, it'd be fun to drive up that morning with somebody and shoot the shit in the car and grab a sandwich and have some good conversation. So I'll ask that person, but I've already made up my mind that if they bail, I'm also totally okay going on this same trip, doing the same thing by myself. So it's like a little bonus. I'm like, I'll throw it out to him. Chances are he's going to bail out the night before, but it's not going to stop me from doing what I want to do. So like, that's not the dude you ask when you want to float eight miles. You know what I mean? Like, right. Right. That's like your battles. Yeah. That's like your dedicated, you know, mission buddy. I, I would call them exactly. mission buddies, and then I would call them, like, trip buddies. Cause, exactly. Because, like, the trip buddy is, like, inclined to be like, yeah, man, well, uh, you know, I was going to, but, um, you know, uh, my my buddy, they're going to have, like, this, like, party for whatever, whatever, and, like, I, so I, I don't think I can make it anymore. And I'm yeah. always just left, like, how could you, man? How, how, yeah, you said yes like, to me already. Well, it's not you even already that. committed to me. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it is that, <laughs> but it's but it's also, like... How could you like to do anything more than this? There is no yeah. party that I would attend over, I don't know, like, a, yeah, you know, over the chance to do this, Joe, a little bit of night there's, fishing. There's, there's no party. I have missed funerals over the years. Yeah. I, um. There's I, no, there's no football game. There's no sports event on the yeah. planet. Oh my God. Zero. Zero. Yeah. So if shit's going down during the Super Bowl, I, I'm there. You oh, know? I love um, I love fishing like during like big sporting events because you know that there's going to be half as much pressure. Hot tip. Exactly. Anyhow, exactly. Um, but, I, I, I would get say, just a just a well, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, anyway, I, I I would get uh I would get a new fishing buddy for like <laughs> missions, man, and I would chalk it up to like if you want to take friends fishing, sometimes just realize that like it's going to fall through a lot, man. I don't think there's too much that you can do about it. Except yep. find folks that are equally dedicated, and in that case, I would invite them to stuff that you already have very well planned, right? There are two yep. types. There's like the impromptu thing, and then there's like the well-planned thing, and I would I would invest more energy into trips further out with people you know are going to be down than like, you know, uh, hoping yeah. that your fishing buddy shows up. Yeah. Yeah, I would totally agree. Find new friends or just call that guy when it's a trip that like he would enhance the trip slightly, but not enough to make you cancel if he can't go. There you go. Okay, so Zach Malak, uh, thank you for that one. Um, Now, friend of Bent, uh, Nathan Klump uh, at Nathan Does Activities on the old Insta Slam, uh, wants to know if we've ever gone noodling. No. No. (laughs) No. No. That's a, that's a negative. Uh, people have been trying to get me to go noodling for years now. I know people that noodle, um, but that is a, that is a hard no for me. Does not appeal to me at all. 
Yeah, no, nobody has ever invited me noodling. Although when I was a kid, uh, I had a friend whose dad like mercilessly made fun of me because I thought it was canoodling catfish. And canoodle, uh, that's a German dumpling, I believe. I think it's uh, I think it's more <laughs> of a, a, a colloquialism <laughs> for lovemaking. But um, <laughs> the uh, God, I hate that guy. You know, if that, if that dude's <laughs> listening, man, you know. I hate you. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, I guess the short answer there is no, and I have no desire to. Joe, same yeah, thing. It's, yeah, 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 and it's a little bit twofold. Like, honestly, uh, I, I bowfish every once in a while. I think that's fun. But otherwise, I've just never gotten eaten up with any methods beyond rod and reel. Like, I'm not into spear fishing. Again, nothing against it. It's just I'm not into that. So on one level, it doesn't appeal to me because I would just rather catch them on a rod and reel. And even though I have some very good friends that are hardcore noodlers that are like, look, man, I've been doing this shit for 20 years. I've never had my hand taken off by a beaver or a snapping turtle. Like, that's a myth. <laughs> it doesn't happen. I'm like, I understand. It's like the same odds as dying in a commercial airline crash. But I have that kind of luck, dude. Like, if I will commit to it. And the first log I stick my hand in, I'll lose, like, my pinky and my ring finger. It is almost a guarantee. Easier thing to do, just not do that because I'm not excited about it anyway. Um, but great question. So sorry to all the people who are going to try and convince us to noodle now. You know that's coming. You know what I mean? I might be sweet. You should do it. Yeah, you should. I was going to say, you should do it. Just, just reach out to Hayden. Just don't even bother with me. Uh, moving on, uh, Gage Atwood, which is an awesome name, at Gage Atwood. He asks... Am I a prick because I hate bait fishing? Yup. <laughs> I, I, bait yeah, fishing's great, I, man. I don't get like I, I, I don't get it when people divide themselves into camps. Like I am just as likely, you know, if somebody hits me up and is like, "Yo, uh, West Branch of the Delaware, Drakes are coming off right now. Get up here. We're gonna get in the boat. Down, down. Let's do it, man." Um, but if somebody's like, yo, let's go like chunk catfish. I'm like, yes, sure. I, I, I do not understand it when people divide themselves into these like weird camps. Well, and that's, that's really what Ben's been all about, right? We invite, uh, anglers of all walks of life, all factions here. I'm certainly, everybody knows I'm the same way. I'll, I'll fish anything. I, I really don't care. And I could go into a whole tirade about how people look down on bait fishing. And if I, if I had more time, I could totally say some things that by the end I promise would make everybody who thinks bait fishing is simple and easy look at it completely differently. Uh, I don't really think we have the time for that, but here's what I'll say. Are you a prick because you hate bait fishing? No, you're not a prick because at the end of the day, you know, we always try and preach this message of don't put yourself in a silo. You know what I mean? But mm -hmm. hey, dude, if you're a fly guy and that's all you ever want to be, rock and roll, man. That's cool. No, no love lost if that's your deal. So I don't know if you're a prick, but you are incredibly close-minded. Like you are incredibly <laughs> close-minded because I, I don't know how many, I can't say this enough, like people miss all the connective tissue routinely between every kind of fishing. In other words, if you spend time drifting mealworms and garden worms for trout and you get good at that, you now have a leg up on nymphing and vice versa. There's things you can learn from one that translate to another. Watching how a fish attacks a big live shiner under a bobber will teach you something about what to do with a swim bait. There's, it's, it, there's, it's all connected, and I don't understand why so few people, I feel like, often 
see that. But it, it, it only makes you better at whatever the main passion you have is by being open-minded and being willing to fish a million different ways. Yeah. That's my, that's my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. All right. Um, moving on, our buddy uh, Jordan Derrick at Derrick the Fancy Caveman wants to know, <laughs> how drunk is too drunk on a guided trip? Oh, you first. Um. Okay, I, I happen to know that Joe and I have very differing opinions on this. Mm-hmm. Although that's okay, that's okay. Although different opinions are good. Yep, sure are. But um, Joe uh, has kind of swayed me to his argument, which we'll get to in a minute. But my initial thoughts on it, and I guess, I guess something I'd stand by is it really depends on what you're doing. First off, I want I want to preface this by saying, whatever you're doing. Don't put yourself in an unsafe situation, even if you're on a a a a thirty foot you know party boat in calm seas, getting blackout drunk around the water is always a bad idea. It's never a good call. That said, man, you know if you're uh say you're at a bachelor party and you guys just want to go catch you know a handful of mahi mahi. There's nothing wrong with throwing back, you know, a, a couple Coronas or, or, or something like that, you know, but just don't get, don't get drunk to the point that taking care of you or, um, pardon the pun, like reeling you in becomes an activity for the captain, the mate, the guide, whatever. I also want to say that there are certain types of trips where I would not suggest drinking at all. Uh, those include walking wades. Uh, drift boat trips. I wouldn't get drunk on bonefish flats. I wouldn't have anything to drink in a lot of scenarios, man. If it's contextually appropriate, dude, have like a couple beers. But like, I would say don't get drunk to the point that you'd be like above the legal limit. Like if you would get pulled over, you might be too drunk to do what you're doing as far as fishing goes. Okay. Yeah, man. And and look, I'm not going to say don't ever don't ever have a drink when you're fishing um, because you're I do. Fishing. It's, <laughs> well, yeah, because because I do. But it's it's certain scenarios, you know, a cold beer on a float trip for smallmouth or trout. Cool. Yeah. Drinking drinking a cold beer on the on, a, on the 70 mile run in after tuna fishing all day. Awesome. Yeah. Otherwise, and and some people would say this is a very un-American opinion. Drinking and fishing do not go together for me. Like they do not go hand in hand, like they do for so many people. I've always been of the opinion of like, if what I really want to do is drink and get a load on, I'll go to the bar or I'll have a yeah. barbecue at my house. And I I especially have never been able to figure it out. I've never been able to figure it out. Uh, people who get hammered on charter trips. Now, you in, in most scenarios, you fish like shit or you don't fish at all because right. you end up passed out in a beanbag or whatever. Some captain now has to deal with you, and you're paying seven, eight hundred. $1,200 to be there? Like, what a freaking waste, man. And and here's the thing. I know a lot of captains in all arenas, fly, offshore, you name it. I've never heard one of them say, you know it was a really good time? Taking <laughs> these guys out yesterday and two of them got hammered and were thrown. Like, that's why most captains, most captains I know, it is like zero hard liquor. No yeah. flat. You ain't bringing a bottle. Mm -mm. You can bring beers. You can bring some white claws, whatever you're into. But rest assured, I've never met a captain who like 
just thinks it's funny as shit when you and your boys come out and get hammered. They might not give you a hard time. They might have you back. They need to make money. But when you leave, they're going to the talk to their guy. Nobody, buddies, yeah, yeah, nobody's like that was that was awesome. No, they want you to catch fish, not get shit faced. Yeah. Um. So you know, for me, it's like a beer or two in in a laid back summer scenario. I will go to the bar and pound them with you after we fish. Ice fish, what I don't give a shit. I am I am about that, man. Some chicken wings and a, and a couple pitchers of beers after the fact. But for me, like with my family, my dad, my grandfather, nobody that I ever grew up fishing with was it like a six pack goes hand in hand with the catfish. No, and, and never. And, and I find honestly, man, like I've been doing a bunch of ice fishing lately, and you know when you're ice fishing, like you have a couple beers typically. I find um, that said, what I really find is myself opening a couple beers and then not drinking them because like yeah. I get, I get like so tuned into like the jigging and stuff. I don't want to stop jigging to like take a, like a sip of this beer. And then what inevitably happens is I have like most of a beer in a can. I ignore it for an hour and a half. I come back to it. It is now frozen. Yeah, <laughs> and then so I just pop open another beer, and the same thing happens. And now I'm picking up a whole bunch of, you know, two thirds full beers on the ice yeah. when I pick up my stuff to like leave. Yeah, similarly, man. I, 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 same deal. It's never my beer ever that gets drunk on a fishing trip because I don't ever bring it. I'm not asking for it, but it is always in in, in some downtime. So like you know, you're floating a river, and dude's like, ah, oh, dude, it's junk water for the next mile. Just chill. By the way, I got two beers in the cooler. You want one? Good call. Yeah, sure. Yeah, right on. But like, I'm not sipping that between working a rising fish or a streamer. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, that's all just, right. Well, hey, look, let, what let's uh, let's move on, man. And I, I'm going to spring this on you. We've made it, Jordan Derek. We've made Jordan Derek feel bad enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, now I didn't put this one in the queue because I thought Ooh. it would elicit some feelings from you, and. Okay. If you don't want to do this, we can just cut it here and I'll edit everything and make it, or Phil will edit everything and make it all smooth. John Maloney one wants to know, do you consider Great Lakes steelhead actually a true steelhead? Do you want to open this I'll, can of worms? I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, 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 I've opened this can of worms before. I'll answer it. Um, I say yes. No. I say no. Well, well, I'm more right than you are, Joe, and I'm sure we're, <laughs> I'm sure we're going to get a whole bunch I mean, of listener response to it. I, I let's hear your argument first. It all depends on your definition. Genetically speaking, are they genetically the same as a as a West Coast salt running steelhead trout? Yes, they are. Same same fish uh, on a genetic level, but if if you went back in time to the dictionary or encyclopedia before all this this shit started happening with all these planter fish all over the definition of a steelhead is a rainbow trout that leaves fresh water goes out lives eats and breathes salt water and comes back so if that if you are accepting that as the definition of a steelhead trout then by definition Great Lakes steelhead are not true steelhead. Does it mean they're not awesome? No. Does it mean that they they don't fight as hard as West Coast steel? No. I mean, all that's happening here, right, is the lake is the ocean and they run up the trib. So it's the same. They're doing the same thing. But by definition, no, I do not think so. 
Well, by definition, the new Oxford American Dictionary defines a steelhead as a rainbow trout of a large migratory variety. So uh, you're wrong. The Oxford Dictionary, when was that updated? What year is that? Is your Oxford Dictionary oh, coming gee from? Whiz. I don't know, man. I like, uh, well, see, don't throw that I, shit at I, me I, and, I, then, and then be like, huh, you're wrong. When was, it, when was that? Yeah, it's on the internet. It's the internet. What's the Oxford Dictionaries? Anyhow, like, okay, so to me, man, you know, people define it by the salt. I define it as migratory tendencies. And it's like, it, but we would agree that uh, that OG original steelhead, like in the time of Native Americans, before any of this, they ran to saltwater or nothing. That was what a steelhead was. There was no steelhead that didn't run to saltwater. Yeah, that, that, that's fine. But like, you know, to that, uh, you know, to that end, it's like, do you consider like, to me, that would be akin to like considering Atlantics or like Coconese. Not salmon. Well, there's salmon in terms of genetics. It's a salmon. It, it It is a salmon. So, okay. Well, like, so wouldn't like a genetic steelhead be a steelhead by that logic? I think you can go with either definition. Like I said, genetically speaking, that it is a steelhead. But you're, you're asking, you asked me and you said true steelhead. What's a true but like, steelhead? But like aren't rainbow trout in general just landlocked? remnants of like steelhead like isn't that like the I, I genesis actually, of I actually, a rainbow I actually trout? don't i actually don't know that i i don't know i i thought that that's why um finding wild rainbow trout only happened west of the continental divide and it was that is i believe true and it was because rainbow trout were landlocked steelhead you know, so, yeah. so, so, but like by that like definition, man, I, I would consider any large rainbow trout that goes out into a large body of water and then returns to spawn a steelhead. And, you know, I get why like people are, are, are drawing lines. And I think a lot of it has to do with um, hatchery sentiment. Like sure, like they people don't want it's a manufactured fishery. It's a, it's manufactured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, there's it no is. way around that. But um, I don't know, man. I I I think that this argument is. Do you consider the Delaware River to be a large body of water? Yeah. Well, you do. Well, because no, only not, not, in the, not, not in the not in the same way that I'm talking uh, lakes. It's like a moving body of water. I think like that's like. I think that's like the divider line. It's not like it's. I'm, I'm not talking. Run. They I'm run not. Trips I'm not talking. Yeah, no, that's not what I'm talking about, man. I'm not talking about something living in a river and then going up to a tributary. I'm talking about a a. I know that the ocean is not a still body of water, but like I'm I'm talking about like a a uh, you know a a still tidal body of water. I know that the Delaware so River is tidal. Okay, but. <laughs> Get so in the weeds here, but like I, I have to, I have to throw this out there. You got a reservoir out in North Dakota. I don't know where, full of giant rainbow trout. When those fish go to spawn, they're looking for a trip. They're going to circle the edge. Some reservoirs will have it. Some lakes will have it. Some won't. But by by, they, they want to run a trip to spawn. Well, then I steelhead. So the question that I would ask you would be, what was like the um the breeding stock sourced from like 
are those rainbows or are they like steelhead or are, are they like of you know for instance like the eel river strain of steelhead that was like moved to this area to do this thing yeah i i i don't know but also uh, if i'm not mistaken a tr- a true steelhead does genetically vary from a landlocked rainbow trout. Like there are features about them that are different. Their eyes are shaped differently. Their eyes look in different directions. You know what I think They're, that this is, you know what I think this is pretty analogous to? It's um, the, the conversation around grizzly bears and brown bears, like what separates those two? Because like, I think genetically they're identical. The difference is that brown bears have, um, access to marine resources i.e like salmon and that's why brown bears are like considered like a separate like subspecies because they get so much larger because of this marine resource and i think that uh steelhead it's very much the same thing it's like they have access to these you know uh, uh feed resources that allow them to get bigger like you know it's not bugs it's 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 alewives you know uh shit Mm -hmm. like that and i think when you couple that with like the migrate migratory tendencies in this specific way where they go you know it's i I think it's different than the rainbow trout circling the lake i you know the steelhead are out there and they're doing their thing in like big open water and then they stage they, they 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 stage in these like groups and then they make spawning runs and I don't think rainbow trout do exactly that same thing even in a lake. Okay, well we've officially cleared it up then. Great Lakes steelhead are in fact steelhead. Wow, we don't ever need to talk about this again. <laughs> we, we did we did work here today. We did we did man Joe. Uh, I think this is like a really fun <laughs> new segment. Um, I, I think it's something our listeners are going to appreciate and. You know, it's it's it really is a nice way to unwind after a long marathon podcast recording session with you. It's just to hang out and shoot the shit a little yeah, bit. Totally, totally. Nothing nothing helps me unwind from recording podcasts all day like recording more podcasts. <laughs> so if you have uh, have questions that you might think are a uh, are appropriate for night fishing, or questions that you want to hear on the Bent Helpline that might end up here uh make sure you send those to me and joe you can either do it uh via voice memo or a uh you know just a a, a textual written format via our instagram or you could send those into bent at themeateater.com you ever get that feeling the walls closing in the concrete jungle suffocating you You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, Enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana. 
They're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose Interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today.